Welcome to Stocking Spurs, 40-ish minutes of football-adjacent frivolity. My name is Patty, and I'm here with Acid. Hey, Acid. Hi, I'm Acid. <laughs> Hi, Patty. Hey. And we're back for our discussion of episodes three to six of Amazon's documentary All or Nothing Tottenham Hotspur, which again has proven to be quite the treat. I, I'll admit I tried to ration it off one per day the same way we did last time, but I couldn't help myself. I had Monday I took Monday off and it just so happened that the episodes <laughs> dropped that I didn't it's not necessarily maybe correlated. I don't know. Uh, I didn't think just the coincidence. Exactly. I knew that like you're just staying home. You're like, oh look, there are three new episodes. I guess I gotta watch them so i ordered din tai fung for like two people and i mm. ate it all it also helped that it was the first day of my period so you know everyone tmi you now know my cycle starts on a on that day <laughs> and it was emotional for me i i had a really emotional time with these next three episodes what about you acid initial thoughts totally in the same place watch them all in one go so i think because of that it feels like one long roller coaster of an episode i mean i guess yeah, what did i have for dinner while watching <laughs> may have also been some kind of of Chinese food. I love it. I mean, <laughs> do you consider this a good birthday gift to you? They did come out on your birthday. Belated yeah, happy birthday, totally. Yep, perfect birthday. <laughs> also, what an awesome coincidence. Thanks, Amazon and Spurs, for releasing this on my birthday. They knew. They knew that you, you were hosting this and they were like, let's treat her with a gift. All right, well, so this episode, we're going to dive a bit into a little backstory and some of our favorite Spurs players, including... Jafet Tanganga, who's got the most heartwarming story, and we'll share that a bit of that later on. Also, maybe we can guess on what Delhi's favorite chocolate bars are. I'm telling you, this guy is so random, and I love it. And finally, we'll also talk a bit about what do you think are the uh, is the preferred luxury handbag of choice for Spurs moms? Because you know, I mean, we've got the wags, but we've got the mothers as well, and you know that's number one in their book. So all of that and more on Stocking Spurs. Yeah, this episode. loads more. let's dive in. So the first group of things you want to talk about falls into the all-access pass to the stadium category. And I think we kind of set this up in last week's episode about the first few first few episodes of the documentary, that there's so many, like, the office moments when you're watching this. And if you think about it, it makes sense because it is kind of an office. It is their office setting. It is their workplace. So of course there would be parallels to, like, normal people's workplaces. <laughs> I mean, the first thing we, we want to talk about is the THFC Christmas party. So episode four opens with the Christmas party scene. And it just, it has all of the elements that you'd think, that you'd expect about a corporate Christmas party. You have the CEO with a semi-awkward speech, <laughs> usually awkward. dropping hints about the targets he wants to hit <laughs> for the next year. You know, so you see Levy saying, oh, I wish, for, I think to finish in the top four yeah. is what he said. Yeah, and, and Did medals. he even say trophy? Yeah, he said medals. Yeah. He goes, yeah, he goes, I asked Father Christmas for two things. <laughs> <laughs> Super awkward, this guy. Yeah. I think and by Father Christmas, I mean my expectation of you guys. Exactly. 
I, 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 I think I didn't see any play. I was waiting for the players to appear, but I guess it was just it was the staff Christmas party. But see, that's a delineation again of like staff versus non-staff. I mean, like, yeah. Players. What is it with these silos, guys? Yeah, we're not two kingdoms, guys. We're one Tottenham Hotspur, but I guess they are two kingdoms. So that was interesting. Yeah, there's the players and the normies. <laughs> And the normies got a uh, D&D. So yeah, super. But they look dressed up too. Just saying. Yeah, it looked swanky. And I was wondering if that like kind of reflected on the kind of raffles that they have. I, I don't know if they had one, but in like the office Christmas parties that I've been to, there's always some always, kind of raffle for uh, appliances <laughs> and things <laughs> that are that are given to the company by suppliers or vendors like there's a raffle for a toaster or Always. like a raffle for a trip for two to hong kong or something and i wonder what what they had i wonder if they could even the take that trip were. now that nothing no one can take trips but nah, either anyway neither yes, here nor but... there i think it was super yeah. interesting also that sesanyon said that when they asked him if there was a secret santa or if they exchanged gifts and he goes I, I, well, I don't know. Like, I didn't see any. And, like, what if they actually did and he just wasn't part of it? I don't oh, know. No. Like, I feel like the OG <laughs> crew would probably do, like, maybe, like, gifts each other, but maybe not. So that's also interesting. It's like, oh, they're, I guess they're not close. I don't know. Or just not into Christmas. Anyway, <laughs> moving on to other, like, very spurs. They're just, like, our regular offices feels. There's always, I don't know about you, Acid, but you, you came from an agency setting and I work in a tech company. And we have these colleagues that have these really, really thankless jobs where they're kind of just like trying to allocate resources. I work with a TPM, a technical product project manager, and whenever we allocate resources for like sprint planning and all that, we're always just running out of engineers all the time. It's like, where did the whole engineers go? What are they working on? And we kind of want to akin that to the physio department of the club because my goodness, Jeff Scott, you are a saint you are always stuck between a rock and a hard place and i feel for you with the amount of injuries the team has gone through and just general upkeep of you know keeping players fit he has his hands full this season he's always like the one having to on both ends of it having to break the horrible news to Mourinho and be like hey sir by the way you can't use xxx player because they're injured and having to take the brunt of Mourinho be like no i need them to play and at the same time, going back to the players and breaking the news to them of like, hey, you need to take this MRI, like Sunny, who didn't want to take it. <laughs> and or like Lamella clearing them and then realizing they aren't fit and just like, ugh, I, I feel for the physios. I, I, I felt so much for them. Oh, yeah. There's a Jeff Scott in every office. <laughs> For us, it's like the resource manager. And there's always a problem. There's always like the team that would be perfect for this job is caught, caught up with something else so they can't do it. <laughs> or there are no teams available. But like, what can you do? I think like, I feel like Jeff Scott would like volunteer himself at some point. <laughs> okay, you can't have them. There's really no one. But if you really need someone, I will try. I will try to step up for you. He's so sweet. I just wanted to give him a hug half the time just because he is going through a lot, clearly. And I don't know. I wouldn't want to be the one that goes up to Mourinho to tell him, hi, Harry Kane isn't available or hello, you're left with Sonny. He's gone too. So yeah, kudos to oh. you, Jeff Scott. Uh, oh my gosh. I hope you won something super in the Christmas kudos. party raffle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, super kudos to you. And I guess in the total absence or total lack of any resources, who do you turn to? You turn to the interns, <laughs> which is the next thing on our list. 
So in every office, there are interns. And if you're very lucky, there will be moments where interns save the day. And I think it was totally the case in these episodes that we're talking about. So the intern we want to talk about in particular is Tanganga. So, oh my gosh, his storyline for these past few episodes has been amazing. They talk about him, like they, in the documentary introduces him as a boy next door. And like, it turns out he literally lives next door <laughs> to the stadium. He still lives with his mom and dad. Like he said, up the road yeah. from the stadium, which is so sweet. He says he's been there since he was nine years old. He's been through the academy and all of the kids who go through the academy dream of the day that they will get called up. And it just so happens this season was it for Jacket. And like he, he, they kind of show him reacting to the news of being called up. And he talks about how he told his dad that, oh my gosh, I'm starting. And then his dad was really emotional and says, it's your chance to make your mark on, stamp your mark on football. It's, this is a movie in itself. <laughs> I think one of the performances that we want to talk about is for Liverpool, where he just totally steps up. And it's, it has all the makings of like an amazing movie because it's this guy who's untested. It's his first time starting. It's against the, the reigning, ch- the people who are, who are going to be the, the champions. The runaway champ. The runaway, the runaway champs. Yeah. And it's like, is it like a Mighty Ducks moment? Kinda. He just steps up. It's amazing. Like, I think even just like the, the feedback he gets from the dressing room and everyone telling him what a good performance he's done. And just how humble he is. I think that's what's really striking about Jaffet is that he is so incredibly talented and you can see it in how aggressive he plays and that confidence. And it's it's so nice to see that if this is our future, then you know, you kind of feel good that the club will be in good hands. I especially just like to call out this little part of like they're at the first team restaurant. He's in a table with Alfie Whiteman and um, Skippy, I think it's Skippy, Sunny, and then of course Jaffet. Yeah. And in another table, you see Levi's just having his din- like I don't know a meal alone, and Sunny is there eating food and joking with Jaffet and telling him, "So what are you signing your contract?" And he goes, "I don't know, I don't know." And of course, they're all like, "When you say you don't know, you know." And he's like, "No, no, no, I really don't know." And Sunny kind of nods towards Levi and he goes, "Why don't you ask him?" And it was just like. Which is such a cute interaction. And it's I feel like it's also an interaction that I've seen between like a high performing intern and like a senior. And the seniors kind of goading them to like, hey, go ask for ask for a permanent job. (laughs) Go go there. There's the CEO asking. Ask him, ask him. I think it's just sweet. And I think Tanganga also takes it in stride and just fits in well. I also liked it when the kit man was interviewed to be like, to show that he was making space in the dressing room. Can you imagine walking into that dressing room, coming from the academy under the under 18s, under 23s, and being in the first team dressing room? That is a moment. It is totally goosebumps. (laughs) I guess other moments that you go through in an office and at the same time in the club People celebrate birthdays, just like acid. And so it was just interesting to see how the team kind of celebrated it. So uh, we, we see uh, the physio room. Again, a lot of the things happen in the physio room this, this past three episodes. And we see, uh, well, technically we don't see the birthday boy, Serge Aurier. But we actually see Musa Sissoko coming in. Supposedly he's injured, but this guy seems like he's moving just fine. <laughs> carrying uh, a little, like a small platito like you know a small saucer with like a very tiny cupcake that looks like it was swiped from the cafeteria 
I mean, if you're in an office, you would probably run to your on your lunch break to like the nearest, you know, bread talk or the nearest like Shetteries and like to get like one slice of a cake or to the Starbucks downstairs to grab a cheesecake and then you're like, hey, can I have a candle? Well, they had a candle. The candle looked like it was bigger than the cupcake. The cupcake honestly looked like a little <laughs> tiny breakfast muffin. Like you could pop it one go. Yeah. And I think maybe the aircon is strong because you can see Musa Sasoko kind of like trying to cover the flame of his like, you know, tiny candle. <laughs> and then they all start singing happy birthday and you can tell that Serge was not having it this is of course December 24 <laughs> and this is like <laughs> the eve of Christmas and he's just like having his physio done and then Musa's there in his face I remember this Instagram story so well because someone is also documenting yes. it on their Insta stories and how Serge just looks like please don't do this but Musa's like we're doing it suck it up uh, and he's just like <laughs> he just goes like put it in your like blow the candle and then he finally blows it and he forces him to put the tiny cupcake in his mouth and it's just like you know those birthdays when you're trying to reach a deadline and people are like no let's celebrate let's drink and you're like i'm just trying to finish this please just let me do this but no of course not it's your birthday you have no choice people want to celebrate and yeah clearly first they're just like us yeah and i found that so sweet but what i found super funny is the cake I feel like, obviously, it was part of the catering plan. Someone just took it. Like, oh my god, it's Serge's birthday. We need a cake. There, get that. Let's go. Clearly, clearly. I feel like in offices also, there's an unspoken hierarchy of cake. <laughs> and you can kind of tell how your office mates feel about oh, you yeah. based on the kind of oh, cake. For sure. If it's something like they just got from Starbucks, it feels like, oh, fine. They didn't right. plan this. Just bare minimum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone was just sent to the nearest Starbucks to get a slice of cake, and that <gasps> was your cake. Yeah, sorry, Serge. If uh. it's... <laughs> sorry. I think, like, there's a level up, and this is super debatable, but I think bread talk could be a... is arguably oh, for sure. a level up, because at least it's a full cake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then if you, you go even like a step up and go to like a Henri Chapentier or like, you know, actually get like, you know, those Japanese cheesecakes, you know, they planned mm-hmm. it. Like they actually thought yeah, of it yeah. before they got there and we're like, oh, we know it's Harry Kane's birthday. And yeah, we should probably get them like yeah. a, a crazy cake. The admin assistant knows how important you are or how well liked <laughs> you are and ordered it ahead. Ahead of time. So I guess... Yeah. Serge's birthday cupcake that was swiped from a catering tray might be the all-new <laughs> low. <laughs> oh, man. But, but it seems like they love him. They do. It seemed genuine. Yeah. And no one planned ahead. That was all. It is Christmas Eve after all, so that's okay. They had other things on their mind. They did. Yes. Speaking of things that weigh on your mind, and speaking of more The Office kind of moments... Actually, maybe this isn't comedic. Maybe this is just normal office kind of moments. So I think in these episodes, we saw a range of interpersonal skills and negotiation tactics. We saw two very different styles from Erickson and Rose. And it's, it's quite tense to watch. So tense. Because you know the outcome. So it was just interesting to see the two different paths that led to the outcome. So we know both Erickson and Rose want to play and they want to leave the club, (laughs) hopefully for better options. We know Erickson eventually ended up at Inter Milan and we know that Rose eventually ended up in Newcastle and this kind of gives us a peek into the negotiations that led to that. I guess let's start off with Erickson. Uh, We see Erickson deploying classic tactics that I guess people have read about, <laughs> like kind of taking the stance that, oh, it's, it's out of my hands. It's not up to me. I guess not even being super clear about what you want, but like always just pushing it to someone else. And you see him saying that, oh, my agent or my manager is 
is doing that. I don't know what's happening. I have no control. You can keep talking to me, Jose, and you can keep talking to me, Levy, but it's really up to my agent. So he deploys that. He also deploys things like framing the situation like you're both in the same boat. He's like, I don't know. Yeah, we, we, all, we both want this to be resolved. <laughs> that, that kind of. <laughs> I guess it goes smoothly because he wanted Inter and he got Inter. So it worked for him and then no one looks like the bad guy. He played it smart. Oh, he did. He yeah. did. Yeah, deploying all of those classic things. I think Rose comes in with a very different style. So we know he's unhappy. I guess we, you, once in a while you'll see a tweet about him expressing his yeah. unhappiness. So you know that he's, he's frustrated, but it's a different thing to actually see it play it out on camera. And he handles this with Jose differently, where he's kind of, he's confrontational and he's super transparent about his frustrations. He's very emotional. I don't know, watching this reminded me of like situations in an office where there's a disgruntled employee and they're confronting the CEO or MD or whoever, and the, the body language seemed to be like exactly right. Like you see Jose kind of closing up and his, his like chin goes in a little bit and then he, he looks like his face is super stern. And I feel like I've seen that <laughs> in people reacting to confrontation in the office. It was, yeah, it was really tense. It was so uncomfortable <laughs> to watch both, of, both yeah. of it. Like obviously, you know where all of this is headed. And I was really sad when Ericsson left, but... I've never seen him smile so big when you see him taking photos in Milan. So it hurts a bit, obviously, but I'm super happy for him. He did, I feel like he played his cards right. I, I'm quite impressed that Amazon honestly got access to these conversations because holy <laughs> shit, you could already tell when Rosie comes in and says, can I have a word with you? You know Ooh, shit yeah, is about hurt. to go down. Kudos to Rose for standing up for himself and, you know, for, for saying it like what he needs and what he wants. I just like, I obviously care too much about what other people think about me and I wouldn't ever want to be spoken of in, the, in an office setting, right? Of like one of the bosses or one of the CEO or the MD saying that this, this girl's a bit delusional because she thinks she's here, but actually it's just here. And that really, I, I felt, I hope Rose doesn't watch this episode, but at the same time, I hope he doesn't care. And I hope that his self-esteem is intact and that he just really believes like in his capabilities as a player. Because why would you want to be in a club wherein management doesn't believe in you, right? So kudos to yeah. both of them for getting what they want. And, you know, hopefully everyone's happier and, you know, it all works out in the end. Because, again, I, I give it to... Transfer guy Steve Hitchin. His job is another thankless job. And wow, all these unsung heroes of the club who make the club work. So yeah, kudos to these guys. Kudos. And with that, we'll take a quick break. And when we're back, more moments of mundanity and the injury club we've spoken about. we're back in this section we're gonna cover moments of mundanity the boom 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 non-stop injury train a few stray observations and what we're looking forward to in episodes seven to nine <laughs> all right let's get started with the moments of mundanity I love it. I love discovering these small little bits of pieces about the lads obviously we only see them in interviews we see them on social and we see them on the pitch. And those are all very high performance level kind of things, very intense or very curated. But there was this one interaction between Ben Davis, 
who is has really grown on me over the past couple of years, uh, as well as Harry Kane and Christian Eriksen. But mostly it was an interaction of Ben Davis with himself. Because as they are in the first team restaurant, Ben is watching the transfer window happen and he has so many comments. And you know how when you're kind of in your own world and you're just talking and making observations and the people you're with in the table are probably in their own worlds and really not paying attention? Well, that was this moment. Davis was just commenting about how, you know, he doesn't get why the team is never enough and why they have to keep doing transfers. And if you don't do transfers, why aren't you doing anything? What happened to letting a player develop? And Ericsson kind of does like a polite, like, you know, nod here or there. Davis is monologuing and no one's paying attention. It's I think it's Ericsson who, Ericsson who, who says... Who makes a comment, yeah. Yeah, I think Davis says something about 20 million and yeah. then, or 200 million or whatever. And then Ericsson says that's, that's the Harry's, cost of yeah, Harry Kane's ha- right, right foot. foot. Yeah. And then Harry goes not with a hammy. Yeah. <laughs> but still no one addresses what Davis has been monologuing about. But you know what? I don't think Davis minded. So that's that's the cute part. He just wanted to get it out, you know? And I love hearing his accent because it's not super strong. It's not a super, like, when you hear it, like, Welsh. But it's Welsh. And there is a difference. And I love it. He could talk to me all day. And I think in the absence of Jan Vertonghen in my life, I think Ben Davis may take that spot a bit. Nice. Jan, your friend. Good choice. Good choice. He's he's one of those low-key underrated ones. Love him. Love him so much. Yeah. Yeah. Benny Boo, you can talk to me anytime you want. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of people who we just want to talk anytime they want, all the time, Delhi. So this, oh my gosh. (laughs) You know, Delhi and the physios should be a separate show. I would totally watch this show. They can just leave like a camera there and a microphone streaming and I will listen to it. It's like just like an ongoing podcast. I'm totes there. I will hit subscribe. By the way, guys, hit subscribe. (laughs) (laughs) So in in this series of episodes, we see another one of these conversations with Delhi and the physios. And this time, Delhi says, while he's being massaged or something, he asks, hey, guys, what are your top three chocolate bars? And he says, crunchies are in my top three. And he says something which I find incredibly divisive. And he says with so much passion and so much conviction, he says, if anyone puts bounty in the top three, I'm never speaking to you again. Whoa, Whoa. intense. <laughs> I happen to love bounty. Ah. Sorry, Delhi, but I love it and I will fight you on it. <laughs> I think it deserves a debate. He was so definitive in it that, you know, like, nah, fam. And I think some of the physios were also like, what? Like, they like bounty. <laughs> So you're yeah. not alone, Asad. You're not alone. Coconut is awesome, especially dark chocolate bounty. That's the best. I- I've never tried anyway. a bounty. Yeah. Oh, what? I don't think so. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Next time you're at Changi, which I realized during COVID, the COVID never. era will be never. Yeah. But next time you're at Changi, go to like the cocoa tree. Oh, they have bounty and, there? And try one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is awesome. such a specific tip. <laughs> sure, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll do but that. Yeah. But yeah, I've never Check had it out. One more thing about this, I think we're we're noticing that Delhi is super aware of dental care. <laughs> because as we noticed in the last episode, last set of episodes, he talks about, oh, when you brush your teeth, do you wet your toothbrush before or after you put toothpaste? And then he was super hung up on it. And here again, dental care makes its way into the conversation because someone says, in answers to his top three chocolate bars question, he says, uh, someone says, dime? And then he goes, dime, it breaks your teeth. Ah. Which is a really interesting first reaction to someone naming a chocolate bar, isn't it? Only someone concerned about their teeth would say that. 
Well, I support this dental health care because honestly, I only go to a dentist once every three years, once every seven years, and I get the same amount of cavities every time. I had seven cavities. <laughs> so you know what, Deli, maybe I should take a page out of your book and care more about my teeth. But yeah. Uh, speaking of people that we care about and who are clearly not in the best state of health, as you guys know, we experienced a shit ton of injuries. As Captain Hugo put it, he feels for the manager because ever since he arrived, it's been boom, 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 a string of injuries. And I think that was a lot of the focus in episodes four to six, wherein you get you come out from a high and then suddenly, boom, someone gets injured. Or you're finally doing well, boom, someone gets injured. And I think Mourinho even talks about like consistency and choices of his players, because how can you be consistent in your choices when literally the people you're choosing from are all getting injured? Which leads mm. me to just like off-scene, Eric Lamella, obviously, even before this um, documentary started, they, he's been in an injury. And so we see a bit of him coming out into the pitch to like try to practice already and think he's ready, but then come hobbling out because he's like, nah, it's still it's still bad. And... Yikes, I don't think we've seen Eric. We saw Eric play a bit this season, but hopefully he heals up before the next. And then you see Musa, also injured for a bit, and we, there hasn't been a lot of focus on him apart from, you know, spending New Year's alone in your hotel room. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, and doing phone calls with your family. But yeah, Musa also constantly in the physio office. So hopefully we see and everybody heals up properly and we just see more of them. Yes. Oh man, on to the next one. The first the first. first major injury during the reign of Jose happened during the first ever game yeah. with Jose. So we're this is Ben Davis. Maybe. Like an hour into the first game, he injures himself and he's out for like was it 12 weeks or something? So this was months. yeah, this was insane. It was such a heart as a fan, it's such a heartbreaking injury to witness because everybody loves Ben. And also just seeing it, like, from his point of view and the way he talks about it. It's yeah. like, ah, oh, oh my gosh, that's, that's terrible. Super terrible. And I think, okay. and for, from host, um, Jose's point of view also, like, in this documentary, we discover that Ben is, like, a critical part of his plans because he's, like, a left-footed left-back. And because our technical knowledge, our technical expertise is so great, we know that... <laughs> <laughs> that's valuable because the passing angles and trajectories of a left-footed left-back are like beneficial to the game. I've just totally read that off an article from The Athletic. <laughs> you, know, you wrote that article, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Check it out. So it's just, it's just losses all around for everyone. Sucks for Ben, sucks for Jose, sucks for the fans. And I think it just sucks Ugh. for the team when you lose motherfucking Harry Kane. We saw oh. him, like, we've already lost Hugo. Hugo wasn't even on this list, and we forgot to mention oh, that yeah. Hugo, Hugo's back. We get Hugo back in these episodes, but Hugo got injured, and that was clearly a loss for us, but at least Gaza stepped up. But then what do you do when Harry Kane gets injured, right? And obviously it's it's critical because he's been scoring a lot for us, and of, he was de facto captain in, in Hugo's absence. So having him and seeing, hearing how many weeks he'd be away till like the end of the season, and just like, it's horrible. When again, Jeff Scott breaks the news to Mourinho, Mourinho goes to Joao Sacramento, his assistant coach, and they speak in Portuguese. And he basically, without even saying any endro, he goes 12 weeks. And Jaws goes, what? Like he goes, yeah, that's minimum if there's no operation. And then in, I guess, in Portuguese, and subtitles show it, he goes, we're fucked. <laughs> oh. And it, it just, damn, that sucks. That really sucks. 
It totally does. I think like watching all of the injuries unfold in these episodes, it's interesting to see or to hear how the players talk about their injuries and the language they use. They, both, I think, Ben and Harry said that like they just they felt a pop, which is interesting because yeah. I think Harry's was a muscle injury. So I'm wondering, wow, how does that sound or feel? Yeah. What is a popping muscle? That sounds terrifying. I think with Lamela, he talks about how he's aware of his calf, which is also an interesting way. Like there's so I guess when you deal with pain and injury so much, yeah. you start to like have really specific words. So it's not yep. pain immediately. Sometimes it's oh, it's an awareness. Or it's not a tear or a break, it's a pop. That was just really cool. Yeah, they're so, so aware how, of their bodies, which yes. is good, obviously. So that's how they, they talk about it. Speaking of the players who don't want to talk about it at all, <laughs> brings us to Sunny. So in the absence of Kane, Sunny tries to step up, and he absolutely does. And then, unfortunately, he also gets injured. So minutes into one of these games, I forget now which one, he breaks his arm and he keeps on playing and he eventually helps win the game. The which is just, it's as sunny as you can get. The Super. dedication, the passion, it's just, it's all in there. And we see the, like, because we, we can get a peek inside the training facility, we see what he's like the next day. And he comes to, comes into the workplace, goes to the physios, knows he needs to tell them he's in pain. <laughs> so he says, he talks about his arm, and then you see him kind of sitting down on the, the bed thing, yeah, like and the, the physios are around yeah. him, and they're asking, oh, does this movement hurt? Does this movement hurt? Does this hurt? Do you feel any pain? And, like, he's always answering a little bit. Like, is it painful? A little bit. Does this hurt? A little bit. But he's saying that. But you look at his face. The camera is on his face, and his face is in, like, full grimace. It's like, nah, you're lying. You, you are so lying, Sonny. You are in so much pain. I just, I just wanted to add how, like, childish the interaction feels. It's a little bit childish. It's like a kid that's obviously hiding something because he wants to get his way. <laughs> Because Sonny wants to keep playing. He doesn't want the physios uh, to know how bad his injury is. That's why he's saying a little bit. And that's why he's saying he doesn't want to scan. And he says this again later on to like Jose, I think, and Levy. He says, oh, the physios want me to get a scan. I don't want to get a scan because then you can see everything. Then they're going to know that I'm lying, that it doesn't hurt. It's so funny. Oh, man. And even the way it wraps up, I think, like, when the physios tell Sunny that, you know, we need to get a scan, he, like, he lies down and he starts crying or pretending to cry. And then he says, you guys. And the physios are like, come on, get up. Let's just get some breakfast. Have something to eat. Which I think, like, you and I were talking about, like, reminds us of childhood. Yeah. I feel like summers when, like, we had help in the house at the let let who would just go, oh, you eat na. You eat, like, as if to just, you know, appease you. Just like, it's okay, get over this. We'll talk about it later. And just go do <laughs> Distract yourself like, with some food. Exactly. Or it gives you an actionable step if you're it a kid does. and you're upset about something. Like, it just helps if someone tells you to do something that's unrelated to it. Even the language the physios use when they talk to um, Sunny about it. When they go, we're just going to take some pictures. Like... <laughs> <laughs> and, then they, and then after they go, it's an MRI. Like, it, it's just cute. In, that, in the same shot wherein Sunny keeps lying and saying that it doesn't hurt or it only hurts a little bit. You know those TV shows wherein, like, Jane the Virgin murders a narrator? And then the narrator knows all. So I feel like the, they could have put in, like, a narrator track that says, No, Sunny, it hurts. Like, yes, it hurts. Because <laughs> you could see his face crumpling. It was just, like, 
every time you go a little bit with his face this is a podcast you can't see the face i'm making but i'm making a wincy face that like it's clearly it hurts it kept him up at night even if he said a little bit and like yeah sunny you know he didn't sleep exactly so sunny be honest take care of your body it's okay we still love you we have a couple stray observations that neither fit here or there but we noticed that whenever again still kudos to the amazon team and 72 films the the film producer who did this for scoring all our games beautifully they're really i think i think it was acid that we really can't go back anymore to watching games normally we've had some highs and lows this episode but all the wonderful goals were scored amazing and what acid and i noticed is that serge aurier is Almost always, like 99% of the time, you'll see Aurier coming in. And how do we know it's Aurier? Obviously, because his back and his number are there. And he's the first to get to the goal scorer to celebrate. Like, I don't know, does this guy have like, either he, maybe he assisted, he was the nearest? I don't know. How is he always so near the goal scorer? It's amazing. Maybe he's just a natural cheerleader. And it's just, <laughs> he, he just automatically wants to be supportive of the celebration. But it, it happens so many times. And I think, I think there's only one goal they showed where he wasn't the first person to start. <laughs> celebrating with a goal scorer like he did it with harry he also did it with bergwine it's it's just it's super cool to see everyone which is sweet which is really sweet good job serge we need cheerleaders good job serge speaking of sweet the next stray observation we have is actually this is a bit this is a bit bittersweet bittersweet because jose mentions the passing of his dog and harry asks him later on what kind of a dog it is and he says it's a yorkshire terrier which, if you don't know what this dog looks like, Google it now. It is the cutest, sweetest, smallest-looking dog you can ever imagine. I so, can't... just wondering, okay, Jose refers to this dog as his dog. It's not his kid's dog. It's not anyone else's dog. It's his dog. So he chose this dog, and they were just <laughs> wondering, what does that say about him? Because they say like the breed you choose says something about you, and so we just really quickly researched about terriers. And there's some interesting things about them. Okay. This is, of course, based on science. But one claim says, Yorkies are the most loving and devoted dogs ever. Aww. So they're devoted. They're agreeable. Like, maybe, is that something that Jose, like, Max? looks for? He needs... <laughs> I think that's interesting. He needs approval. I-, I like that you went to science, because I was probably just going to go to, like, a BuzzFeed test to tell me, like, what this dog breed says about you. I <laughs> imagine jose to own like a german shepherd or something a bit more fierce or a larger dog or even a bulldog yeah. but i did not no. see him with a terrier but it's you know a what? yorkshire terrier yeah. also other findings yorkies are small so they're a toy dog breed that does not need too much space you can easily like just keep them on your lap or put them in your handbag so they're also really mobile that way you he can take them say, anywhere yeah he did say it traveled with him everywhere for 13 years yes that's true. So I wonder how he carries it around. Does he have a small bag to put him in? Does he have like a pram? Like one of those dog prams? That the- I think I he would have a small bag. Like a, a clutch type. Like I, yeah. I can see him with that. The last thing is Yorkies are hypoallergenic dogs. I'm wondering does Jose have a secret allergy that he isn't talking about? <laughs> Interesting. These are great observations, as said. I, I mean, obviously, <laughs> at the end of the day, rest in peace to his, his dog, and I can't imagine losing one. Speaking of people who I didn't think were okay, <laughs> and turned out they were just fine, we get Captain Hugo back, and I, like I said in the last episode, I was excited to see more of him and see more of him as a captain. 
And now we kind of get a glimpse into that. So in the past couple of episodes, you've seen Harry do the pre-match pep talk with lots of expletives and passion. And now we get to see Captain Hugo do it. And I don't think I've ever seen Hugo say more than a couple words during a post-match interview. But here, holy shit, he said it himself. He may, you may not see it, but he's actually quite emotive. And boy, did we see those emotions. I think like very like short sentences and he's just like, 90, 95 minutes, focus, yeah, focus. Like I can't even do the French accent because it's so bad. My, my accent is so bad. Or is like, we killed them in minute one, which they seem to love to say. But I, I just can't imagine these feelings coming out of Hugo Lloris. So good job, Hugo. Um, yeah. It's good to see you back. I see why you're a captain and I want to see more of this. I want to see more of it all the time. Also, like he gets intense in the pep talks before the game, but he also gets really like snarky because there was like a halftime moment where like the first thing he says in the locker room is, oh, it's like a friendly out there, (laughs) which is so, it's such a, like what a way to throw shade. What a passive aggressive thing to say, but also someone had to say it. And interesting that it was him and that you actually see some kind of like reaction from him, right? So you didn't think it was in there, but glad to see there is that fire. Speaking of like intensity. (laughs) So what else is intense? The love that footballers have for their mothers. (laughs) And it seems to like take the form of gifts such as bags. And I feel like we've, we've heard them talk about the bags they give their moms and we've also seen the bags that they give their moms, and there are two that we want to talk about in this episode. I think one is a one we learn about in the conversation, the one-on-one conversation with Sessignon, where he talks about the gift that he's bought his mom for Christmas, and the interviewer, and then he says it's a bag, and the interviewer asks if it's an LV or a Louis Vuitton, and Sessignon goes, yeah, which is, which is so, like, <laughs> it's expected. It's typical. Every baller, I think, once they have their first major paycheck, will buy some kind of LV merch for themselves or for their mom. So for Sessignon, it was for his mom. Sweet. We also get to see one of these bags on Ber- Brigvine's mom. So when he's signed on to the club, welcome, Stevie. We get a glimpse of his family visiting um, the training facility. We see them shopping around for a house. And yeah. in these sequences, we see the bag that his mom has. And it's like the classic Chanel quilted bag, which you know is a bajillion, bajillion. thousand dollars. Yeah. yeah. So Ov's Bergwijn treating his, his mama the right way, giving the her right a beautiful way. classic bag. And you see that he gives himself some of this as well. You see this really cute, uh, which I want. The minute I saw it, I'm like, ah, I want that. Can I be a football player's mom? (laughs) Stevie's own bag is like a shoulder bag, messenger bag from Gaillard in like a really bright blue. So So nice. Super cool. Kudos to you for rocking that. Which matched his outfit. Like he was like blue on blue. I I really like seeing how they treat their moms. I mean, obviously wives and girlfriends were over that. I think moms of ballers are are what you want to see next because clearly like everyone's got a mom. Not everyone's got a girlfriend or a wife, but everyone's got a mom and you know they treat them well. It was also Mm -hmm. interesting to see how the, the, the club helps the players settle in by like helping Bergwijn look for a place and saying that another footballer, I wonder who, had an apartment in the same complex but on the first floor. And it was nice of Vorm to come along and help with the process. I guess Dutch speaking? I don't know. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, Vorm was there. And I thought it was like an interesting touch. So yeah, good to see the club taking care of the guys and the guys taking care of their moms. So yeah. everyone, it's a win-win-win for everyone. 
anyway, I guess that's it for us for these past three episodes. Uh, we got the next, the last drop. I can't believe we're last, down to the last three next Monday. And I guess we can look forward to COVID-19 <laughs> and how they yeah. handle it. Like, we're still feeling it. But at the, in the early days of it, obviously, no one knew how long this would last. Spoiler alert, a long time. Or how they would, you know, react to it. So I'm really excited to see that coming up. Yeah, because I guess we saw what it was like for them through social media. So exactly. I'm so looking forward to seeing it from like the inside. Um, other things we're looking for. Oh, are we looking forward to this? We're looking <laughs> forward to the end of season reactions. We know how the season ends. And I just, I'm so curious to see how the documentary portrays how everyone within the team, within the staff, how everyone takes it and how. Exactly. Yeah, Especially since we get a glimpse of Jose asking the players to protect him and how they can protect him so the win. So if that's his mentality, then how will he take the end of the season given such high hopes for him and where he could take the team? So mm, lots to look forward to. And with that, I want to say thanks everyone for listening. Thanks, Acid, for uh, this lovely, lovely time we've spent together. Uh, I can't believe thanks, we're going to I can't believe we're doing Great one analysis last time. today. <laughs> yeah, no, and just really interesting uh, for this, episodes four to six, and really, really looking forward to episode seven to nine. If you guys have any feedback or if you want to tweet at us, please do follow us on Twitter at Stalking Spurs. And we kind of made an Instagram account, but we don't know what to post on it yet. So I don't know, maybe follow us there too at Stalking Spurs on Instagram. We're way more active on Twitter though, so obviously you'll find us there. But if you haven't subscribed, please do smash that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or wherever it is you're listening to this podcast. It will be interesting to know where you actually listen to this. So maybe let us know on Twitter. Yeah, we'll see you guys next time for episode 7 to 9. And thanks for coming by. Thanks, guys. Come, Come on, on, you Spurs. Spurs.